by the purpose of God before anything existed, he purposed, Paul, I will meet him on the Damascus Road. I will speak light into his heart. He will see and he will believe and he will be my apostle. So here's this man, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So let's talk for just a little bit about the will of God. And I want to talk for just a minute about two wills. The scriptures teach us, at least in an implied sort of way, about two wills of God. Now you might say, why in the world are we sort of going down this tangent, the wills of God? Well, let me just kind of show us as we work through chapter 1, there's a number of things in chapter 1 that we're going to really wrestle with. And one of the things that's going to be helpful for us to have in our minds is this idea of the will of God. How do we understand the will of God? And how do we understand the fact that the Scriptures will present to us the will of God in two separate ways. So let me just show you how this is going to be really important for us as we look, uh, look for example, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ. Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So clearly, in order for us to understand chapter 1, we're going to have to understand some things about what Paul means about the the will of God or the purpose of His will. So we're going to have to wrestle with this anyway. So it's good to sort of lay that foundation now because... Laying the foundation now will also help us understand something about the man who is writing these things to us. So Scripture scripture teaches us of the will of God in two separate ways. In two ways, two types of the will of God. And to understand the differences between these two can help avert a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration when we wrestle with things like the question of, for example, can the will of God be thwarted? Can the will of God be changed? Can the will of God be frustrated? So the first way that the Scriptures talk about the will of God, theologians will use a phrase like the the decreed will of God or the declarative will of God or the purposeful will of God. Those are are theological phrases which which can be helpful, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be. Think of the first sense of the will of God as what God settled in His mind before He did anything else. What God purposed in His mind before He created anything. That is the first and probably the dominant way that Scripture talks about the will of God. What God purposed to be, what God desired to bring about, That is what Scripture calls the will of God in one sense. 
So we just looked at those three examples in Ephesians 1, including the example in, in verse 1. Four examples of the will of God there in, in just 11 verses. But we also see Romans chapter 9, verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? Now, when Paul is writing to the Romans there, Romans chapter 9, the context of that is he's sort of having this imaginary debate. And the debate is about someone who is questioning the predestination of God. How can I be faulted if you say that God predestined me to this? And so Paul's sort of having this dialogue with himself about that. And the context of verse 19 Paul is clearly referring to the will of God, not as a command that God gives that we must obey, but as what God purposed, what God thought, what God planned, what God decreed before He commanded anything. Right. So the will of God there is not God gives a command and He wishes you to follow it. The will of God there is the purpose of God. And what Paul is saying is, The purpose of God, what God purposed before He made the world, certainly you you don't think that you can thwart that. Clearly, you don't think that you as a person can frustrate the will of God that He purposed before He created this world. That's what Paul's saying there. Or look at James chapter 4. This is a really helpful passage of Scripture here because this shows us how the purpose or the decreed will of God really applies to all of life. Look at what James says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go and do such and such to such a town, spend a year here, trade there, make a profit. Yet you do not know what what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. Okay, so what James is talking about there is not if you follow the command of the Lord, if you follow God's will, then you'll do this or that. Clearly what he's saying is what God has purposed is what guides our life. What God has thought in His mind as He created this universe, His desire, His purpose for all things Clearly, that is what is shaping and guiding our life. And so as we make these decisions in our life, whether we go here and do this or go make that plan or go do this, then we really should say, well, all of that is subject to the will of God or the purpose of God. James is not talking about following a command of God or obeying the will of God. He's talking about the overall purpose of how God desires for His world to work itself out. Now, we see also in Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10, God says, I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Reminds me of Job 42, verse 2, where Job says the, the, the will of God cannot be thwarted. It cannot be frustrated. So clearly what's in, in the mind of the, the prophet there and what's in the mind of Job is not 
no command of God can ever be disobeyed. That's clearly not what Isaiah is thinking about. That's clearly not what James is thinking about. That's clearly not what Paul's thinking about in Romans. He's not, he's not saying no command of God can ever be disobeyed. What he's saying is the purpose of God in creating all things cannot be thwarted. Now, that's one sense in which the Scriptures talk about the will of God. The other sense is in the sense of the commands of God, the, 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 the obedience that God desires us to render to Him. We often call that the will of God. We should do the will of God, right? The Scriptures talk, for example, Jesus says this, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So Jesus is not talking about the purpose of the, the created universe. Clearly what he's saying is, if your heart's desire is to obey the commands of God, then you will receive this verification, this authentication in your heart that I am from God. So, so Jesus isn't talking about the purpose of, of creation. He's saying, if your heart, if your desire is to follow the spoken commands of God, the will of God, then you will receive this authentication of who I am. Or John 9, verse 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. So again, clearly Jesus has in mind there the one who obeys the commands of God. The spoken, verbal, written commands of God called in that context the will of God. If you do the will of God, then you can expect that God will listen to your prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's desire that you obey by giving thanks in all circumstances. Paul is not talking about the purpose of God in all creation and how that cannot be thwarted. He's talking about the spoken desire of God that you be thankful in all things. Or, uh, if we look just ahead in, in Ephesians 6, 6 verse 6, here Paul is going to use the speak of the will of God in this fashion. He says in verse 6, not by the way of, here he's talking about slaves obeying your masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Okay, so you get the picture. Scripture speaks of two wills of God. One is the purpose, that which was in the mind of God, as God said prior to creation, as He said within the Trinity, He says, I will create a world, and this is how we will make it, and this is how it will come about, this is what I will do. But then there's another will of God that is, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt be thankful in all circumstances. Thou shalt not be grumblers and complainers. Now, what happens if we confuse the two of those, or rather if we don't see the distinction between the two of those, what we will see both in our life, in our experience, and in the Scriptures, is we will see the will of God being frustrated. And then we will say, wait a minute, I didn't think the will of God could be frustrated. Or we will see the will of God disobeyed. And we might say, well, wait a minute, I, I thought Job said that the will of God cannot be frustrated or thwarted. 
But if we see the distinction between the two wills of God, then it all makes sense to us. Can the commands of God be, dis- be disobeyed? Absolutely. They're disobeyed every single day by all of us. Can the will of God, the purpose of God, ever be thwarted? No. So differentiating the two of those in your mind will not only help you as you study the Scriptures and also help you as you live and see, on the one hand, the will of God is being frustrated, but on the other hand, the will of God can never be frustrated. But then in addition to that, let's go back to verse 1 and let's ask ourselves, which will is Paul talking about in verse 1? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm going to strongly argue that Paul is talking about the purpose of God. Now, there was a command that Paul obeyed. Remember, Damascus Road, go to a street called Straight and you know, there'll be this guy there and he'll clean the scales off, right? There was command and Paul obeyed it. So there was the will of God in that sense. But I'm going to argue that what Paul is saying is that I am an apostle by the purpose of God in his mind before he created a single atom. In fact, isn't that what he says to the Galatians in Galatians verse chapter 1, verses 15 and 16? But when he who had set me apart before I was born, that is the will of God by which Paul is an apostle. By the purpose of God before anything existed, he purposed Paul. I will meet him on the Damascus road after he has done much, afflicted much pain and suffering to my people. I will, I will meet him on the Damascus road. I will speak light into his heart. He will see and he will believe and he will be my apostle. Thousands of years before Paul existed, before there was a Damascus road, before there there even was a crucified and risen Christ. What a background. What a source for us. Here's a man not only endowed with phenomenal miracle working power, not for his own elevation, but to authenticate that he is the apostle, the sent one, with the same authority as the sender, receiving direct revelation from the sender, who, by the way, purposed that he would be this man before he created anything. If Shaul was here, I think he would say to us, the same was true for all the apostles. God chose them all before He did anything. Just as He chose you. Just as He's going to argue through the first half of chapter 1, He chose the Jewish people. He chose us. We were the privileged ones. And He, by your faith, by your belief, He has given to you the same Spirit that is in us, that has sealed us, and He has grafted you in to true Israel. 
That's a word about the source of what is going of what is going to be said to us for the next six chapters. He's going to write some incredible things to us, particularly in chapters one, two, and three. And it's helpful, in my view, to establish firmly in our mind the source of the man who's writing these words to us. He, he is not just a learned, wise, educated man. He is not just one who met Jesus on the Damascus Road. He is not just one who, whom God endowed with, with special speaking and writing abilities. He is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, chosen before the foundation of the world, purposed by God to be His sent one. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word.